Welcome to the Silver Caduceus Association podcast, where we take a break to explore how medical service corps officers shape the story of the Army. This is our story, and I'm your host, Dave Paramore. Let's get started. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Once again, uh, welcome to the Silver Caduceus Association podcast. I'm your host, Dave Paramore. And uh, it's a thrill for me today. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, first podcast of the new year. And uh, so uh, excited to, to announce that, I guess. Um, I'm joined today by, uh, or joined with uh, Pete Marks, a retired uh, lieutenant colonel from the Army, a Medical Service Corps officer, and now a, a, a leading uh, IT leader in industry. He has an amazing story to tell today, and uh, so we'll uh, we'll jump right in. But uh, welcome, Pete. Thanks, Dave. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate you coming out. Um, it's kind of winter time here, and unfortunately, today is nothing to brag about in North Florida. Um, for those of you tracking weather, and Pete and I were just talking in the lead up about the weather, and um, so you know, what better thing to do today? Uh, than than have a podcast, but um, so Pete, but this one's not about me. Let's let's chat about you. Um, let's, let's talk about your career as a medical service corps officer. Maybe if you want to share some some highlights and, and memories that uh, that you experienced. Sure, and, and again, thanks for having me. It's 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 always fun catching up with friends and colleagues and and kind of bragging on the medical service corps. Um, I, you know, I, I would say it was a path of absolute dumb luck. Uh, and I, I'm so thankful really to the Army, the Army Medical Department, the Medical Service Corps, because um, I signed up, I think, for some of the reasons that a lot of folks do. I, I was in college and I was just kind of completely out of money. Uh, I saw a poster on the wall, uh, said you can get a scholarship, come and fill out the paperwork. My, my grades probably weren't the best for that. So when they called, it was Captain John Wood. I'll never forget. And he called and he said, yeah, we're going to offer you a scholarship. And I, I really thought it was a prank, like one of my friends was giving me a prank. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I was faced with this thing, well, do I sign it? Um, because I, I didn't really have any people who were in the service in my family. I didn't know anything about the military. Um but, you know, frankly, John Wood, there's these moments in time and John Wood was just a really affable, honest, down to earth person. And I just was like, yep, this guy's believable. Uh, who he is, is kind of the direction I would like to go. And um, so signed up and uh, they paid for my last two years of college and graduated from college from LaSalle University in Philadelphia in 1988. I had never really been outside of Philadelphia. Um, so I went to Fort Bragg for, you know, kind of that officer school between your junior and your senior year. Um, but then went to Fort Sam for the first six months. Uh, um, I didn't realize at the time how lucky I was also to get selected for the Medical Service Corps. Um, between the Medical Service Corps and the engineers in the Army, they will make sure that you get a lot of training. And I mean, I really... Uh, had the opportunity to do training, not only leadership training in the Army, but also formal education um, that the Army paid for. Uh, so the Medical Service Corps really is a gift, and I didn't realize it. I just felt like I, I fell into it. 
Uh, I was at the officer basic course, which Dave, they call it something else now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's a, I guess it's a bolic. It just tells bolic. you how old we are. Yeah. Yes, sir. Basic officer leader course. And by the way, just incidentally, just to complete aside, yeah, um, yeah. You, you know that you and I come from the same region. I just congratulate you. You, you managed to keep your Philadelphia accent or, or your Pennsylvania <laughs> accent. I, I don't know where I di- ditched mine, but somewhere along the way, because I used to speak exactly like you do. I, I, I'm ashamed that I've lost it, but. So, but uh, congratulations. No, you, do, you sure do. <laughs> when I go home, though, I I feel like I don't have it anymore. Right, I know. Um, but if you spend a week home, I'm sure it comes right back. Yeah, and I don't have the, um, you know, like I've completely lost my touch. For if you, you know, I know you're from that area. It's a tough area, and I go, and I I think I used to be tough, but now I go back, and I just I can't hang. Um, so anyway. <laughs> that's fair anyway so, <laughs> so so catch us up again so uh yeah. went to fort sam yeah, yeah and, and, so go ahead so at the officer basic course um again back to training one of the first things is my um my leader um said hey do you want to be a pilot so dave i was going to be like you he said i could get you a slot to be a pilot i was really interested in being a pilot um, started the physical and then failed the eye exam. I went into the eye exam and was squinting in the chair and they basically said, yeah, this is, you can't do that. I'll just squint while I fly. And they were like, no, no, we don't, we don't really allow that. And then he said, you don't want to go through the rest of this eye exam knowing that you can't even read the top line of the chart. Um, so it wasn't a pilot, didn't get to be a hero like you, Dave, but, um, I didn't realize. I was going to say, I, I flew with a lot of pilots I couldn't see, but you know, it must've been. A... <laughs> I actually didn't realize I was in some, um, evacuation. I did ground evacuation, but I was in some evacuation units and frankly, yeah. didn't realize how hard the life of a pilot was, you know, first yeah. up and second up and, and just how even when not deployed, they were always working. And so, um, so my hat's off to you and all those other MSC pilots and dust off folks. So God bless. Um, but then, uh, got out, got assigned to Fort Carson. Um, thought I was going to the hospital, actually reported into the hospital. And, um, the other thing about the army is they have all these great mentors that you didn't realize they were mentors to you at the time. And this Colonel has turned to me and he said, you don't want to be here. He said, you want to be a platoon leader? And I said, no, this is pretty nice. I think it's nice. And he said, nope, you want to be a platoon leader. So assigned me that day down to the 517th Medical Company at Fort Carson. And uh, this is an interesting fun fact. The XO of my company was uh, Major General Dennis Lamaster, who's still an active. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. He, he was a first lieutenant and I was a second lieutenant. And, you know, when you're a second lieutenant, at least for me, I would run around and salute the first lieutenants until they told me, hey, stop doing that. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I did that. So, I used to um, do that. Yeah. So from the 517th, um, we were the first or second unit to leave Fort Carson, Colorado, uh, 1990 to go to Desert Shield and Desert Storm. So it was a big surprise. They just turned to us Wednesday and said, we need a bunch of medical units. And kind of off we went. Spent, uh, I think, eight months there. Uh, the first six, which was just not a lot going on. The last two, which were pretty exciting. Uh, got a chance to fall in on some medical units over there that were doing a lot of field surgeries and those kind of things. So met some awesome people. Um, and to this day, just think the world of them. 
Um, came back from that, uh, was assigned to the 10th Mass Battalion at Fort Carson, where I was a battalion motor officer and later the S3. Um, I was still kind of in the operations path. And so I took a company command of the, and I don't even know if they're still there, the 690th Ambulance Company at Fort Benning, which there were three air ambulance companies and one ground ambulance. And again, I got to know a lot of uh, air ambulance leaders, uh, some great ones uh, in that job. And then, as you know, when you've been in the medical service corps for six or seven years, they say, okay, so you have to make a decision. Do you want to be an operator? Do you want to be a logistics officer, patient administrator? And this whole CIO 70 Delta thing was starting to ramp up. And Art Irish was the Ah. um, the leader. Yeah. And so Art, I was, I think I was at uh, the advanced course. Um, So, and he came up and he said, hey, I heard you once in a while fool around with computers. He said, you want to be a computer guy, CIO? And I was like, I don't know. I said, I don't really want to be a nerd. And um, (laughs) he said, no, 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 no. We're not really nerds. he said there's a lot of leadership positions and we really need folks who have kind of your experience as an operations officer. And so I was like, sure. So um, took a very small hospital as the CIO at uh, Fort Lee, Virginia, which I think is not a hospital anymore. Kenner uh, did that for three years. Met awesome people had a great time. We put CHCS in there and network. It didn't even have a network. I brought nice. email in there and the World Wide Web. And, you know, Dave, I would walk around and people would just give me high fives. I know. It's like you're the hero. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that now. No, no. <laughs> give me high fives. Um, so did that. Super fun. And then uh, got selected for the PhD program at the University of Pittsburgh. So the Army, again, back to the training, the Medical Service Corps will make sure you get trained. Um, And went there for four years to get a PhD in the business school in information systems with a minor in medical informatics. Went from there to Fort Sam to do teaching. And I ran the 70 Delta program to teach 70 Deltas. That's uh, when the other conflicts were kicking off. So we trained a ton of 70 Deltas to get them ready to go overseas. Taught information management in the Baylor program. Uh, Did that for three years. Then went to the Health Facility Planning Agency in Washington, D.C. as their IT planner. Um, from there, went on a bunch of short deployments, you know, six, seven, eight, ten weeks, Afghanistan, right. Iraq, Kuwait, built a bunch of hospitals. And then from there, I was the CIO at BAMC in San Antonio. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I just, when I look back, I just think, <laughs> I started by saying, how lucky can one person get? And I got as lucky as you possibly could be. I mean that's that's an amazing uh, amazing run there. Um, I, I'm certainly envious of the, <laughs> the, the the cool things that you've gotten to do. I mean, out of all of that though, like what is there a highlight um, that that maybe comes to mind that uh, that you'd like to share? So, Dave, I always um, you know, I'm not in uniform anymore, but when people figure out that you're in the army they'll say, thanks for your service. And I'm just so honored they, w- they would say that. But usually my response to them is, the Army did more for me than I ever did for them. Um, and what I mean by that wow. is I was, a, I was a pretty average student. Um, I, wasn't ever, I never got in trouble, but I was quite average almost at everything. And the Army, I think, really challenges you um, and has a high expectation for you to do um, strong things, especially strong leadership things. So the highlight was really being surrounded by so many dedicated and wonderful people and such a diversity of people as well. I, uh, you know, never really leaving Philadelphia, I, I, 
I had never met anybody from like Georgia. (laughs) That, that might as well have been Australia for me. Uh, And so all of a sudden you're plucked into these training environments or these, these environments in a unit and you have people from all over the country from Puerto Rico. And um, so the highlight was really meeting so many awesome people and getting to spend time with them, getting to know them, and then trying to incorporating their great leadership traits into your own. And I had great mentors. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of them when I think, um, and you know, they may not even know they were great mentors. Again, that I don't even know who that colonel was who said, you're going to be a platoon leader instead of working in the hospital, but he was a great mentor. But, you know, Jim Brooks was my one of my first battalion commanders, Barkley Butler, who you know, Dave mm-hmm. Bitterman, uh, Nicole Kirkenbush, Ann mm-hmm. Wolford Connors, D. Barrow. You know, you just you're surrounded by these people and you, you don't realize how fortunate you are. And then great soldiers. So I, I'll be honest. I mean, I thought I think you're, you're obviously you're pretty naive when you're a platoon leader and you want to give in and you want to do a good job and you want to take charge and be a leader. But you don't realize that when you're you get that first assignment that you're not the smartest person in the platoon, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so what I think you come in with what you think your leadership is going to be, which is I'm in charge and hum, hum, humma, that goes away really quick when you start to look around and say, I'm on a team. And although right. the army has allowed me to be in charge, I'm still a member of this team. And so it becomes a real servant leadership. And so when I think to my first platoon, who I deployed with, and I think of their names still, I think they were my mentors too. You know, Dave Stillwell, right. all these other great, he was, he was a spec four, you know? Uh, but yet I would watch him operate and say, he's awesome. And so yeah. I think the humility and the servant leadership are the things that I got I didn't realize how great it was. And I try and carry and play that forward all the time. Man, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. Um, it, you know, it's just, you know, I echo all of that and, and couldn't have said it any better than you did. So I appreciate you sharing. Um, we all get to the end of our career and, and we have to, I remember, I remember my uh, um, kind of decision cycle as I was sitting, uh, getting ready to transition and, and pulled out the legal pad. And I always say for the younger viewers, a legal pad is a, you know, eight and a half by 14 <laughs> stack of yellow papers, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, you, you made that, that decision to transition and it's, uh, your first stop was in civil service. Um, yeah. Yeah. so, um, what led up to that decision and how, how did that come about? Um, so decided to retire. Um, I again, love the army, but my, my wife, we have four kids and my wife was like, ah, do we want to move again? And, and I could understand her position. So, um, retirement was the best at that point. Um, and then I was kind of looking for a job and again, you don't realize, I think you don't know this when you're younger, you realize when you're older that everybody's always watching you and they are drawing opinions of you. And there was a gentleman um, who I I hardly knew, but the Navy medicine, you know, their IT department was moving down to San Antonio and they were looking for a leader. And so he calls me, his name is Don Oswald. He works, he works for Spaywork, unbelievable guy. And he says, you know, I think you would be pretty good at this job. 
working for the Navy, but doing IT for Navy healthcare. And um, I kind of was like, hey, I hardly even know you. And he said, yeah, he said, trust me. So um, went and did the interview and got offered the position and then got to take everything that I learned in the Army about leadership and about health IT and go over to the Navy. Now, it, it, what, it, was, an, it was kind of an easy transition, but it was different. And I, I would I would say that when I got there, I thought, well, gee whiz, you know, I'm <laughs> Dave. You'd think I'd get over this when I learned it as a platoon leader, but I was kind of like, well, I know everything there is to know about IT and healthcare and the DoD. So <laughs> right. this, this is going to be cake. Well, what I didn't realize was that you still had to um, you still had to work with everybody around you and earn their trust. Right. And and so it took me a year or two to really start to build that network within the Navy. The, the systems were all the same, but the people were all different and I was unknown to them. And so uh, but I met some great ones, you know, Navy medicine, their leadership structure was more civilian heavy than in the Army where we were more military heavy. And frankly, a lot of them two or three of them actually said, hey, I'm just going to take you under my wing, which I think is also something that we get in the military. People just take you under their wing. They have no idea who you are. They've never met you, but they just announce it because what they're really interested in is the success of the organization. And they realize that that you're part of that success. And so, you know, I was uh, Lon Thompson, Jim Martin, all these Navy people, which maybe our Medical Service Corps folks may or may not know, um, they just said, I'm going to help you, uh, Frank right. Lund. And, and, and that helped me assess into Navy medicine. Um, Tony Thornton, just, and these, so this whole other great set of leaders that I didn't know about at the time. Um, so again, blessed and lucky. And then, you know, the DHA was starting up. And one of the things that's most important to me is that people have access to their own health information. And so it seemed like a natural fit. And so when they started, uh, I was like, yep, I, I, I want to be part of that organization and then applied there and then got picked up for a position in the yeah. DHA, um, which was also awesome. Met a whole bunch of other leaders from the Air Force and, you know, uh, TRICARE and DHA. It was it was fascinating. Yeah, no, it's it, it is. And it, it, great anecdotes there. And Thanks for sharing uh, that transition. I mean, it's it's exciting to all of us, and everyone has a different path, and it's just uh, really uh, exciting to hear you talk about yours. I um, I think about uh, both of us now in industry, and um, um, I maybe intentionally didn't announce it at the beginning, but I'll put it in the notes as we post the episode. Um, you you are a a highly regarded commercial CIO now in industry. Um, at Wake Med. And uh, wow, I mean, it's like uh, I talked to people and I was speaking the other night at a, at a local veterans organization. And um, you just stop and think about, to your point about training and all the things that the Medical Service Corps has done to prepare us and help us uh, with industry. I mean, we really have, um, I guess the old way of saying it would be a marketable skill, uh, at least mm-hmm. in our, our, our IT leadership. Uh, but I mean, you are at the at the pinnacle of that leadership now in a CIO role. Um, would love to hear about that. Yeah, I was still having a blast in the Defense Health Agency. Um, kids were getting older, moving out of the house. What I 
what I started to miss was being a part of the direct healthcare experience. I, I was working in an office building. I didn't see docs or nurses or patients. And, you know, my time at BAMSI or almost all my time as a more junior officer in the army, you were part of that direct healthcare experience. I don't recommend this next story to anybody, but, you know, BAMSI, obviously the burn center for the DUD. And at the time, you know, when the war was going on, we had tons of burn mm-hmm. victims there. Mm-hmm. And they were part of our BAMSI family. I mean, they came to, you know, all of our events, our Christmas parties, those kind of things. And you know, what I don't recommend is there was a young soldier in a wheelchair and he was trying to communicate with his family and he needed a laptop. And I don't know what he was doing down in the basement at BAMSI. Maybe he was looking for the CIO and I just kind of met him in the hallway and he said, I'm looking for a laptop. And I just gave him one of the BAMSI ones and said, keep it. <laughs> oh, wow. I know, I know, I know. I don't recommend that, but, <laughs> but, but I, every, every army person worth their salt would do the same thing because yeah. there's a bond with soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that, that is bigger than maybe a small legal action. <laughs> Right. You may right. And, and and when you get that sensation of being around people who you admire so much, uh, for because they're usually really salt of the earth folks who came in uh, into the military for whatever reason, but they're salt of the earth. They're from all over the U.S. and you just you can't help but love them. Right. And so anyway, back to Wake Med. Uh, when I was working in the office buildings, I just started to miss that. I started to miss being part of the patient care experience. Um, I told you I didn't have great grades. At one point uh, in college, I wanted to be a doctor. And when I got to college, they were like, well, maybe an English major would be better for you. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> they were right. So, but you never lose that. I want to help other people. And so, so I started looking for like a children's hospital because they're dyed in the wool. We care about our patients. We will work 24 by 7, 365. Real kind of a, a military kind of a way of thought um, to take care of people. And a friend of mine from the Navy, uh, again, people always looking out for you, called me and said, hey, I heard you're looking for this. You should look at Wake Med. They have that culture mm-hmm. that you're looking for. So got really fortunate that they accepted me and um, have been living the dream here and doing those things that we in the military just cherish, you know, servant leadership, helping other people's people and giving your time, uh, wanting to be part of something bigger than self. And that's, yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Um, it, it is, it's, uh, it's almost like giving back, right. Cause uh, obviously industry recognizes, as you said at the top, kind of our, our culture, our history, the cloth we come from. And, um, so it's just, uh, it's great to be able to, to, uh, to serve in that capacity. I, you know, we can't help but ignore what we've all been through the last couple of years in, in healthcare, um, you know, with the COVID pandemic and um, the impacts it's had on all of us. Um, I'm just kind of curious now that uh, you're in, in industry and, and serving in, in healthcare directly, what maybe some of your stories are about how COVID has uh, impacted your organization and and maybe some positive impacts that uh, you'd be willing to share. 
Yeah, no, thanks for the question, Dave. Um, so first, I think the military helps us with this too, because it's not something that we're just going to turn around and, and beat, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's changed, it's morphed, it's changed the way that we provision healthcare. So just to give you a sense about Wake Med, you know, we started um, in 1955 as a healthcare system that is to serve people who couldn't get, who couldn't be served in healthcare at the time. So minorities and folks who couldn't get healthcare because in the fifties that, that really was happening. And so that, that kind of provisioned the cultural artifact of what Wake Med is. And now um, we're a gigantic healthcare organization with 10,000 people who work here, three main hospitals in the capital of North Carolina and then around Raleigh. Um, lots of health plexes, freestanding EDs, all kinds of services. Um, so we're a very, very busy, busy place. In fact, uh, last year, we were one of the top five in terms of volume EDs, emergency departments in the United States. So this is a busy, busy place. Um, but with COVID, um, it gave us an opportunity to continue that healthy community that we stand for. And so, although we're still in the thick of it, uh, we are frankly at our highest amount of inpatients. We have about a thousand beds here and we're about 240 full of COVID patients, which have to be separated from the other patients. So we're, we're still in the thick of it. Now they're not quite as sick as they were before, um, but they still can get pretty sick. Mm-hmm. So some of the fun, fun is the wrong word, but I, rewarding things was with that community focus, when the vaccine came out, WakeMed didn't just make appointments here at the hospital. The leaders of WakeMed said, we need to go out and see people where they are. And so we did the drive-through clinics. Uh, I volunteered as the, at those. And from an IT perspective, we made sure that we used all the mobile technologies in order to get people appointed and come in and get their vaccine and leave. And I think our, we, we were doing it in about four and a half minutes for, through the drive-through. Wow. So yeah, by the time you hit the gate to the time you got your vaccine, four and a half minutes, and then you went into 15 minutes of observation. Wow. And that, te- that technology really pushed us, but there was other things about that technology that I don't think folks realize. So when we, when we did standard work around our technology, we had all the data. And so at the time it was not clear when you would get your second shot, right? Um, what did the lot numbers, how important those lot numbers were for those second shots. And so by capturing that data in real time, we were able to communicate with people, hey, it's time for your second shot or now your third shot. Um, We were able to give them a record of their vaccination um, electronically. So, you know, about three months ago, people started to shift to, you couldn't do certain things unless you had a vaccination. You get your vaccination here at Wake Med, right? It's on your hip because it's in your phone. And so all that data has helped us in terms of our patient flow, in terms of patients being able to own their own health information. And then it's also helped us produce a lot of research where we can figure out more about COVID and what it means and how it affects the body. You know, the Delta is so much different for our ICU patients than the Omicron, right? So if you want on a ventilator with Delta here at Wake Med, your chances of survival may have been 15 or 20%. 
Wow. With Omicron, it's much, much higher. And But, you know, you have to have that data. You have to be able to take it back to individual patients. Um, a lot of them are participating in the research and we're just doing a tr- tremendous amount of work. But to go back, we would take the vaccine to people, not only the drive-through, but to churches, community organizations. We worked every day. We worked every weekend um, to get that in folks' arms and to find them where they were. In fact, even did door-to-door service. And that's not just me. Again, I, I, I could do a lot of the um, traffic and those kind of things, um, but it was really the docs and the nurses and everybody who's just so dedicated to people here at Wake Med. Wow. It's a cool organization. It's, it, in fact, our um, CEO is a um, two-star Navy. Oh, wow. Two-star Navy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you still went there. I did. In, in fact, they, <laughs> well, you did you know, serve for the Navy, so I can't make that joke. <laughs> well, no, it's all good. It's all good. But, you know, there's it's almost all Navy here except for me. And um, wow. we we try and honor our employees as well. And one of the things we do around the holidays is we have um, um, meal services come in and uh, catered meal services. <clears throat> and as a leader in the organization, we volunteer. I volunteer. And so I did an 11 o'clock meal service for our night shift um, two days before Army-Navy game. And so I took that opportunity to tape a bunch of Army flags all through the command suite, which is mostly <laughs> Navy. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, because they're military, they have a great sense of humor, and they use the security cameras, took my picture on the security cameras and put out a, you know, a help wanted, or no, pardon me, this could have been a help wanted. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. Poster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So it's all, that's good. It's, it's still part of the fun, you know? It is. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, hey, just to pivot a little bit, maybe to kind of wrap up, this is a great conversation. Um, you know, as we do this for Silver Caduceus Association, we, you know, we just reconnect, as you said at the top, with uh, friends and uh, colleagues and people we've served with. Um, Silver Caduceus Association uh, we we continue to to provide outreach and and, and that uh, you know mentoring and uh, and uh, connections with uh, active and former uh, medical service corps officers. Um, just uh, maybe if you could just speak at a high level as to some of the values you see for with organizations like this that uh, maybe uh, create those positive experiences for current and former medical service corps officers. Thanks again for that question. I think what you're doing now, what we're doing now is pretty important. Um, there are, there's so much talent and there's so much leadership in the Army Medical Department and the Medical Service Corps. And I think that whenever a colleague, whether we know them or not, reaches out to you, right, you are obligated um, as part of our culture to help them in any way you can. So if I am a medical service corps and I'm looking for an opportunity or some counseling, some career counseling or whatever, I think that we have to play it back to the people who did that to us before. So Mm -hmm. I think we have to really take care of each other. I also think that if you just take a quick cruise through LinkedIn and put in Army Medical Service Corps, you're going to see a who's who of unbelievable leaders. 
And so I think we need to tell that story, uh, not only to each other, but also to industry and right. say, hey, we have this great group. And if we can harness um, all of their collective leadership and wisdom and humility, uh, we just need to harness that and let them tell their stories about where they are in industry and let those industries come back and also help mentor and bring things back to this other group of young MSCs that we want to succeed. So there's just so much opportunity. Um, I think that every MSC or every army person that I talk to desperately wants to give back. They, they know that, I mean, I think they know, I know that the military gave me more than I ever gave to them. And so I, I I owe it back, but not as a sense of, I owe it, um, because it's some kind of an exchange. I owe it because I'm honored. Uh, such a great team and such a great group. It's almost like you don't have to, you get to. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how, I don't know why I got so lucky, but (laughs) I, I, I'm just so happy that, uh, that I, that I met, you know, Captain John Wood and, and John, <laughs> may not remember me, you know, back in 1985, he just called me and said, you're in and I'd like you to sign. And I thought wow. he was super guy. Wow. That's great. Um, wow. You've inspired me today, Pete. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And uh, just, you know, as, as I listen to you talk, it, it really gave me some some great memories of my time too. And so thanks for sharing those great stories. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll do it again sometime and uh, connect in person uh, again sometime soon. So uh, thanks for your time today, Pete. Dave, I, I can't tell you how happy I am. I get to not only do this, but to reconnect with you, my friend. That's great. Well, folks, that wraps up uh, this episode of the uh, SCA podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, again, I told you it was a treat. It was great to, chat with Pete and uh, we'll look forward to another episode coming up soon. We do about these once a, once a month or so as we reconnect with uh, leaders and active and former medical service corps officers. So uh, look forward to talking again soon and you all have a great rest of your winter. For more information or to listen to other episodes, please visit silvercaducasassociation.org.